0: Hi everyone, welcoming all of you to our series of expert interviews called Financially Speaking with established individuals in finance who've broken myths about the complications and have carved their own niches, making finance work for them. Today we have with us Dr. Giovanna Palladino, a world's leading expert in developing financial education. Dr. Palladino is the head of the Intesa San Paolo Charity Fund and the director and curator of the Museum of Savings, Museo del Risparmio. She is the head of the Technical Secretariat of the Presidency and her work includes curating content displayed in the Museum of Savings, including cartoons, videos, games, video games, all those exciting things which can make finance simple for everyone. She's also responsible for the development of activities and also working on brilliant exhibitions. Recent efforts have also been devoted for specifically financial education for women, migrants, as well as youngsters. She has a ton of publications and has also worked in the economic sector within analytical skills, financial economics, market risk, asset management, and macroeconomics. With a doctoral degree in economics from the Sapienza University of Rome and the Jean Monet postdoctoral fellowship from the European University Institute, Dr. Palladino has an inspiring experience that speaks volumes about her in-depth knowledge. She is also the board member at ASONEB, which supports research in the fields of finance, economics and law, and promotes financial education. She's also the executive board member at the International Federation of Finance Museums. Dr. Palladino, thank you so much for joining us from Turin, Milan in Italy, and what an honor it is to have a chance to speak to you. Thank you to you for the invitation. I'm honored to be
1: part of your uh, pool of experts and I'm happy to share with you and your network the experience that we have done uh, during this uh, tenure.
0: Thank you so much, ma'am. To begin with, we'd like to know a little bit about your life journey and how did you sort of venture into the world of financial education? By chance, as most of the time people do things by chance, but it's never
1: a chance. I Meaning, You build your future without knowing most of the time. And actually, I never thought about financial education. I have been a researcher in the field of finance and economics. Uh, my studies have been devoted to finance and to econometrics, especially. Uh, at a certain point in my life, someone offered me the possibility to develop a new museum. At the beginning, I was skeptical because uh, I thought the museum of money, you know, something that is related to coins and banknotes, something, you know full of dust uh, and not interesting I never enter a museum of money in my life, even if I'm I'm an economist and I love economics. So I thought this is not for me and uh, I offered back the idea that if we had to develop something as to be extremely innovative, extremely new and um, we agreed that it was about financial education. Fortunately, I would say fortunately, not unfortunately, there was no museum of a, fina- of a financial education around. So I had no uh, benchmark. I had no ideas to copy. And that was really a fortunate um, uh, chance because uh, uh, this implied that uh, I had to, you know, squeeze my neurons and come up with ideas that were brand new. So from this point of view, uh, I started developing something that I would like. So. Uh, My idea is that uh, it has to be the museum that I want to enter more than once. And that's uh, what what really um, has been uh, the the idea behind the museum. I was very fortunate again, I will say, because uh, I had a very nice team of people working with me and full of enthusiasm. I think that that enthusiasm is making miracles and, uh, uh, and I enjoy your enthusiasm for what you're doing in India. And that's the reason for which I'm here. Uh, because I really think that uh, passion and enthusiasm are the driving forces behind any project. And uh, this made possible to build the museum in uh, more or less uh, nine months plus two months for uh, the script for the content. And uh, our museum uh, by now is however very modern, even if it's open for uh, eight years now. It's very new, it's very up-to-date and everybody's coming to see what it's about. Several other people, several other museums, they came to visit us and then they build their own, uh, their own um, premises, their own museum. So I think really that uh, uh, we mm, we start to be- become a benchmark for the others and I'm very happy whenever they want to copy things for us because I think this is uh, A field of cooperation. There is no competition in this field. It's always better to cooperate and there is nothing to win actually. So it's a very poor field. We are working with the fragile people. We are working to make a better world.
0: That is so true, ma'am, and this is what even I and the vision that we also have is financial education actually cannot be a space where, you know, you say that this is our competitor. It is all about, you know, getting together people and working towards that one goal of, you know, enabling financial education across the world. So it doesn't matter, you know, because there is there are so many people who need this at this point in time you can't really say that okay one resource is more than enough and i've come across the museo del risparmio and the first time i came across your website i thought it was fascinating it's it's intelligent because you know you actually like you said you don't imagine that there would be a museum of savings and when you imagine you think it will have like coins and dirty notes and those kind of things but the first time i actually went onto your website and i explored the content i said this is phenomenal. You know, we have to wait for COVID to end. I would love to bring myself there. And of course, I have, I have, a, I have my son and we have a family and we also work with a lot of students. So I think for them, it's very, very important to understand how the whole Museo del Risparmio works. What, what are the programs that you have? So if you could just tell us a little bit more about Museo del Risparmio, please. Yeah, for sure.
1: We are a work in progress. So we open our gate eight years ago, but we still work to the content we still update things. We still do several activities and they are completely new. Each year we invent something. So, uh, but uh, uh, I want to say something to the people that lives, uh, not in Italy, but lives in other countries in the world. Everybody can enter the museum in a virtual way. In the home page, there is a, a virtual 360 degree uh, tour. So you can enter, you can uh, see a sample of our videos, uh, a sample of our apps. So from this point of view, you uh, can have a taste of the museum, even if you are a thousand of kilometers away from uh, from Turin. And uh, the idea behind the Museum of Saving, uh, which is not really representing what I have in mind, but that was a title, a name given by someone else, uh, is the. Uh, the idea of, uh, of, um, of doing something for yourself or uh, empowering someone in order to reach a target because it's not saving as uh, you know the habit to put aside money without any reason okay is only because you are tight fist or you are, um, don't so you are someone who doesn't know how to manage money but the idea is that you put aside money to invest in yourself and to invest in your ideas for a project. Okay, so uh, I would rather call it museum of projects, more than museum savings. Okay, because there really is a, the idea that money is useful to do something. It's not useful to see it. I mean, you, you can uh, um, add up money forever, but if you're not using it, it's a, it's a waste. Because actually, money need to be into the cycle of the economics, so that is producing other money, is producing a uh, wealthness, and uh, and then for sure there is a problem of income distribution. But this is not something related to the the fact that the money is working in uh, uh, in this way. It's simply the fact that you need to have a policymaker that decide how to distribute income. And not uh, wealthness is is a is a however. Wealth is, is however a good, uh, a good idea, a good point, okay? So if we use your money and we invest your money, then you will produce more wealth and this wealth is good for everybody. Then the policymaker will distribute it. It's not my job, I'm only an economist. So the idea behind is that you have to keep in mind that you need to have a project, you put aside money, and also you need to know some basics. The basics are very simple as uh, we were saying before in the private conversation you don't need to to send you know missile to mars so you don't need to to know uh, the, the second derivatives of the function okay you really need to know what return is what risk is what is the relation between the risk and return the basic uh, free lunch of diversification which is not an easy Concept, but still, I mean, you need to know that you cannot put all your money in one basket, okay? You need to, to diversify your baskets, whatever you have money, cash, bonds, uh, share, whatever, and pro- possibly diversification, since it's quite difficult, needs to have an expert that helps you out because uh, you need to have uh, some uh, skill and expertise. Uh, and then you need to plan ahead. Planning is a powerful tool, it's free. So you don't need any money to plan ahead, but you need to know where you want to go. What is your project, your goal, whatever you want to realize, you need to have a clear in mind so that you, you know, design a path. Then for sure during the time that you are from here to the um, reach of your target, you will have several constraints and you will change a little bit. But if you know exactly where you want to go, the likelihood that you reach your target is increasing. So planning and budgeting, for sure before planning you need to do some budgeting, is a very powerful tool. It's free and it's good for everybody. Even for people who has limited, um, limited money resources. So from this point of view, it's good also for poor people because uh,
0: planning gives you the idea of where you are going and keeps you on track. That is absolutely true, ma'am. And this is what we've also experienced, that if you want to learn, you can learn. That comes at a later stage. So I also agree that it is more about inculcating that behavior to save. And to save at the beginning of the month, like, you know, putting aside money when you have it, when the money has actually come to you and not waiting until the the end of the month and then saying, oh, I'm going to wait for my next paycheck to come in. So the challenge is sort of just prioritizing it. And like you said, that planning is such a fundamental uh, aspect of it. Within planning, like we say, you know, budgeting, putting aside money, and of course not putting everything, all your eggs in one basket is, is extremely, extremely key. We know a lot of people who sort of spend, their money only on one product or it could be one share and they pulled all their money and then when it doesn't behave as anticipated they start saying that okay the markets are cursed or maybe you know this this instrument is wrong the challenge is more in just identifying that this is a persistent behavior mm-hmm. so another another goal that we have and what i'd like to hear from you as well is this thought about why financial literacy is a persistent journey it's an ongoing journey it doesn't start and end like i keep telling everybody that you know we are learning new things every day i don't think this is a space which is sort of going to end like it has a start or an end newer products keep coming in so you there's so much volume to learn but what, what I'm really curious to know, more from an Italian perspective, so maybe we can take inspiration. What are some of those key challenges around financial literacy that you have seen in your journey in terms of, you know, working around Italians and what are some of those challenge, challenges which you feel if were, were to be addressed, it could lead to a better society?
1: For sure in Italy, we have uh, um, at least one big problem with gender gap. It is a gap that we have uh, in uh, several domains, but also in financial literacy and uh, um, I don't know in India, but just uh, 50% of the women of working force is working, actually. The other 50% is at home because uh, or they are unemployed or they don't want to enter the the job market. So from this point of view, 50% of the women are not independent from an economic point of view. And this implies that most of them are really, are really weak in financial literacy. Most mm. of them don't do not want to be involved. That they don't prioritize financial literacy as, you know, one of the things that they have to tackle. So it's very difficult to involve women in this kind of talk and in this kind of activities. We tried very hard. We tried whatever we had in mind. We offered workshops. We offered several activities, uh, um, exhibit uh, uh, on uh, on several uh, on several ideas. But nothing was working very well. And I think it's a cultural problem. We really need to tell women that uh, um, exiting at home and working outside your house is a right, is a fundamental right, but it's also a duty with respect to the society. And this is very difficult. I mean, we are trying and we are keeping saying we are working on service to understand exactly where the problem is. How can we convince women to be financially independent so that they can, you know, prioritize the financial literacy is one of the key uh, elements that, that they have to tackle. Then I mean, adults in general are also very difficult to reach because adults, they have several activities. So they have several uh, um, things to do during the day. So it's not easy to reach adults. It's much more easier to, uh, it's, it's easier to, to reach uh, kids uh, because kids uh, are uh, less, um, uh, less, uh, say, less pure from a certain point of view. They are much more pure because uh, they don't judge the money. They don't feel anxious of, about money. It's just a tool. And from this point of view, uh, they are open to understand, they're open to, uh, to play with money because really are, um, the Museum of Saving is a place where we want to play. We are based on entertainment. So we want to learn through gaming, okay? And, and kids are very open to this kind of activities. Others a little bit less. And, uh, but it's also a moral issue because uh, um, for many of, um, it's, it's also a religious aspect that, uh, so uh, money is, uh, um, is uh, something from the devil most of the time. So it's filled as something dirty. Okay. Uh, but I always say that money is not good, not bad. It's what you do with money. that can be, you know, ethically discussed but not the means of, uh, of, of payment, not the money as a means of payment. For, so from this point of view, in Italy, others have this kind of cultural barrier. I mean, it is also related to our, you know, relief or whatever. It's, 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 it's really a cultural barrier and makes it extremely difficult to involve them.
0: No, that is so true, ma'am. I think you're absolutely right here also in India. So when we started, we were actually approaching women who were at home, you know, who had probably taken a break in their career and trying to educate them. And there was just this closed, like, you know, attitude and this perception that it can only be done by the men in the house. So like, you know, a a girl approaches a bank and when you sort of ask her or you tell her that these are the investments you can look at and she always responds saying, oh, my father or my husband will have a look at it. So that is a challenge that we've also faced. Like we've spoken to so many people who worked at banks because what our thought process is that if the woman of the house sort of, you know, takes the step, then she sort of spreads that education across her children, across the next generation. And only then the change will come. So for me, for example, like till the time we grew up, it was not a spoken topic, even though my mother worked for one of the leading banks in India. And the first time I said, I want to start putting aside money and I want to start spending, like, you know, saving and then investing. And she said, is there a problem you're facing in your in your married life? So that's how the response was like, you know, because the thing is they think that it is only something that the men of the house need to handle. And the push has to at least, I, I feel that the men are responsible for just supporting us, but then the onus is on us. If we sort of take that, it can lead to our own empowerment and in turn, like, you know, empowering our kids. So the thought that with which we started was just that, you know, my son was three that time and we said okay if i start today then maybe he'll pick up things by 15 i mean all those things which i learned at 30. so at least you are just giving back to the younger generation and this is so fundamental and i I so agree that this is very basic things like budgeting that mother became
1: an example for their kids and uh, we define we discovered in the survey that uh, Uh, Young girls are looking at their mother as a role model for the money management and boys are looking to their father. So women need to empower themselves uh, through a process of self-awareness because they will make a difference for their children and especially for their
0: female children. That is so true and thank you so much for highlighting it. I know this was not the thought of the conversation, but I'm so glad that we brought it up because this is really, really important because a lot of work that we see is around like, you know, there is so much of financial fragility and this has more so happened after, I mean, I think it's open faces during COVID. The markets usually behave in that cycle and we keep telling people that this is right now it's COVID, another 10 years, another challenge would come. So it always goes in a cycle. can't really say oh i i I was caught off guard this time i'm going to be a little bit more prepared next time but what is it that you think can sort of lead to a more sustainable next generation which is financially secure and financially literate and how can we incorporate the lessons that we've learned from covid in terms of sort of bridging that gap for the future
1: i think that uh, we need to uh, support the young generation that are so curious about money and money management through uh, teaching this topic in school. School is a good place, but it's not enough, by the way, because really family is the core of the uh, of the of the issue, because I mean, uh, um, family is always and the parents needs to be involved and engaged in these activities. This implies that their kids will be, you know, more aware. Of, uh, of the money, of how to manage their money. And actually financial literacy is not ensuring, you know, wealthiness to everybody. It's not that the point, but gives you a backstop to disaster. Okay. So it's like a life-saving toolkit, something that you keep aside and you know that if you put some money aside for the bad weather, if you uh, use your, you have a goal, so you have an idea where to go, you plan ahead, you budget your money, as you said, when it, the inflow of, um, of income is coming so that you, you know, you start the day one of the month, what to, how to manage and how to divide your, your money in different drawers, okay? So, from this point of view, if you bring all this to your kids, you are making them financially
0: safer than, uh, uh, than, uh, than the parents. That is so, so true. I think that is one of the most golden pearls that you've said. Um, Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Palladino. Before we close, what is that one book or quote or movie from finance which has sort of continued to inspire you? Because of course, we go through our bad times, but in those times, it's important to come back to those resources which we've believed in. So what is it that you have to tell our, our young students in terms of, you know, what is it that they can follow?
1: I have a very uh, useful quote that is uh, from uh, a writer and a philosopher named uh, John Bolsar-Flunghitz, that says, knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. So I really think this was a quote that that led my, my, my life and the way that I think about financial literacy. And the book I really like a lot because it really fits my way of thinking about money and finance is the book from a Nobel Prize, Robert Schiller, that is uh, finance for the good society. And I really think that we can use this kind of tools that the finance is providing to build a better society.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Palladino for your time. What a joy it has been. And I feel so inspired talking to you. Thank you so much once again for your time.